Welcome to the Razor's Edge. I'm Daniel Schwarzman, and I'm joined by Seeking Alpha author Akram's Razor. Each episode, we take an investing idea or theme that Akram has been looking at for his personal investing, as well as the Seeking Alpha marketplace service he runs, also called the Razor's Edge. We look at the ideas themselves, stress test them, try to figure out what might go right or wrong, talk about what's been going on, and also about what the research analysis is that led Akram to his opinions. I share my thoughts, try to work out the whole picture. The idea is to share some current ideas, also get into the deep fundamental market research that can go into it. This week's topic, Domino's Pizza. Company reported a mixed earnings report this week, missing numbers but providing reassuring commentary on their earnings call that allowed them to recover ground. The stock ended up up on the day. Domino's has been a big winner this decade. It's also had a target on its back from short sellers for a long time. Akram recently wrote up a quick pitch for the short thesis on his service, and we're going to get into that thesis, what might make it attractive, why now versus other times, and what's going on with the company. Before we begin, quick disclaimer and disclosure. The Razor's Edge is a podcast on Seeking Alpha's The Investing Edge channel. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. We'll disclose any positions in any stocks discussed at the end of the podcast, though up front I can say I don't have any positions in any stocks we plan to discuss, and Akram is short Domino's Pizza. We're recording this on October 11th. The earnings report I'm referring to came out on October 8th, so earlier this week. So Akram, good morning. Good morning. How's it going, Daniel? It's going well. Excited to talk about this. I think this is... Like I said, it's been a story I've seen short pitches at least for the last three or four years on Domino's. It's been sort of this monster. I want to jump right to this week. So I'll set the scene and then I want to hear your thoughts. This week, the company reports, I guess it was Tuesday morning, same store sales missed by a decent amount. amount. They take their long-term projections down a full percentage point. But the stock's up 4.7%, I think, on that day. And I think it's climbed more since then. So just what happened? Like, what? how did we get there? How did that work I mean, out? So, yeah, I guess the starting point, uh, you're right. This this short idea is better. This is not like original work for me. It was like a bit of a quick pitch. You know, I mean, I have followed the company closely since probably from a short perspective thinking about doing it and never really doing much with it since since late 2016 so i think i put this pitch up like a a few weeks ago just because i've been doing a lot of like side work on the f&b space and and was of the view that what is the could you define that quickly just i'm not familiar with that acronym F&B? Food and beverage. Okay, QSR, whatever. You know, your McDonald's, Burger King's, Domino's, Shake Shack's, Chipotle's, and whatever. Okay, sure. Great. So I had kind of just laid it out, but no position. The stock has come down like 20% before the earnings. Uh, Advised everybody in in the subscription service that I wasn't going to be in it going into earnings because... it's there's a, there's an element of it where like fundamentally things have started to go the wrong way for Domino's, but at the same time, like it's come off, but you've got like you know stuff in the F and B space that is just you know in astronomical valuation ranges, right? So, I mean like Shake Shack trades at like a hundred plus times operating income, Wingstop, uh, you know McDonald's, Chipotle. Uh, you know, Burger King restaurant brands is—they've just been on fire, right? I mean, it's—it's it's not been a place to be short anything. And while McDonald's, while Domino's looks, uh, let's say, appealing from a short side thesis in, let's say, over the next couple of years, in the immediate term, you're like, well, kind of looks like a value stock next to Shake Shack and Wingstop, right? So. There was that element to it, but I did short it after it reported and rallied, and and like that, I think that's like that. The reason I wasn't in it, I was just like maybe this is set up for like you know, less bad is good, right? Mm-hmm. So they reported, they missed on top and bottom line, and 
let's be clear. They took down the comp, but they were like very proactive in explaining it. So Domino's has had this like, you know, U.S. comp probably for the last seven years where it's like between three to six percent. <laughs> they always right. crush it. Right? right. So they've aver they've averaged, I think, something like seven and a half percent U.S. comp since 2010. And, you know, if you were someone who was like, you know, his most familiar memories of Domino's was like ordering pizzas, you know, for 30 minutes or less in the late 80s and, and yeah. 90s, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been staggering how well they have comped domestically. It's like it's like a new brand, right? So management's explanation was like, look, this has been our three to five year goal. We took this down not reactively, but proactively because there's been uncertainty. Now, I think if you really want to look at it, you know, they've come, they, they were about, what was it? 2.3%, 2.2% same source sales in the US. Yeah, I think I that mean, was the, that yeah. was the combined franchise and company owned number yeah, was right that's, around there. That's pretty low. I mean, that's, that's below their three to six range, right? And I think they're just being, I mean, they're explaining it that way, but they're acknowledging the fact that, hey, we're, we're, we're not going to be up in the, uh, in the same range we've been anytime soon. So I want to get into what their explanation was in that sort of proactive thing. I think just they're also, I mean, this is still- Food aggregators, bro. Food aggregators. Right, right. DoorDash, uh, Postmates, Uber Eats. Grubhub. So what reversed the stock, if you want to be frank, it was down six and a half percent, which honestly, considering the miss and, and the comp cut, like it gives you an idea of kind of the sentiment. It wasn't even down that much. Like I was looking at it and even thinking about coming in and buying it for a reversal trade, which, you know, I, I love those things when you can do them. But it when it when it lit fire was when he basically started talking about the fact that uh, he doesn't see the the aggregators as sustainable right like a little bit of a we work argument right basically they're burning a lot of cash it's not going to last for forever they're a subsidy for the big qsr players and once that that, that subsidy is coming from the investor base that's been funding them venture capital etc right and as that news tightens and they have to look to make money things kind of change right so he's basically saying that we are we're being proactive by taking the comp down. It has nothing to do with the fundamentals of our business. Just like it's it's a much more competitive uh, landscape, and we're going up against uh, you know competitors who are being subsidized on delivery by companies with unsustainable business models. Well, and because he specifically the CEO on the call, Rich Allison said. In our view, the market is more dynamic now than it's ever been, and they not only do they take the comps down, they lower they reduced the rate like they previously had i think five year long-term outlook and now they're saying it's just two yeah. to three years they're like it's not being practical to talk about five years let's talk about the next you know two to three so what how do you i guess the the main question here is do you buy it but like how does it the third party aggregators dominoes i think we associate as you said with delivery even back when they were not as good a brand they were a better brand but they're still super easy to order online they're easy to yeah i mean let's go through the simple dominoes thesis right company was a complete disaster they this genius ceo comes in patrick doyle they had i think you know 2008 2009 they posted really horrible comps stock was in the dumps and more importantly the pizza in of itself was viewed negatively right like uh, the argument was that it tasted like crap or or more specifically like cardboard right, right? cardboard pizza yeah. and and he decides to run this brilliant ad campaign where he does focus groups on the pizza right and like he had he literally advertises the people criticizing the pizza and <laughs> and uh, you know it's like our pizza sucks but we're changing it so they do that, and that starts to turn things around as far as like you know, complete revamp essentially of the uh, the quality of the pizza and, and the ingredients and the recipe. And he starts to invest in tech, right? And I mean, over like the next like seven or eight years, you know, they go from like nothing in digital to sixty five percent, right? So if you go back to when I really first started looking at the Domino's short, it was like you know, right before he left. Doyle was basically like, you know, we're a tech company that happens to sell pizza. 
Which right? is always, so, I mean, always, always kind of a yellow flag, at least. I mean, yeah, it's it, w- it was, I mean, there's no doubt they, they had super high digital penetration and they had the ordering app and like, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a delivery business, right? Like you physically don't go into a Domino's. I mean, they have physical locations, but nobody's going there to eat, right? So like for them, developing the app was was a no-brainer. It was just optimizing their delivery channel, right? I mean, you're switching it from the phone, you know, to the application. And they invested in that. Where I had the problem with that argument, and I mean, this is before kind of like even the aggregators really took off, but it's just like, all right, like, are you going to be making this technology available to other restaurants? Apple can be a closed loop on phones because it's just competing against other phones, right? But if you look at food, pizza is going to be competing against burgers and, uh, you know, uh, Italian food and subs and, uh, you know, Mexican food and everything you can think of, right? So it's not necessarily like, if I have a delivery technology that's working well, uh, and I say that I just happen to deliver pizza, well, I mean, are you opening up that technology to all kinds of other foods? Because I mean, you know, it, 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 there's a fungibility that it's unlike the phone, right? Where we can say that it's like Android's open and you know iOS is closed, and you're buying just this product and you're locked in, and we've invested in it. Because your your argument here is that they could have opened it up and then become not quite what a gr- an aggregator is, but something similar, sort of the the well, I mean, like, license technology. I'm not saying even AWS. I'm saying like you know that basic system of like ordering and tracking, and like your pizza's in the oven, your food's on the way, uh, your driver's at your door, right? Like b- before aggregators. I mean, clearly it wasn't very hard stuff to develop, but like being early in it, they could have licensed that out, right? And been like, you know, you can use our tech and, and you know, you pay us a royalty, right? And uh, ultimately spun it all. I mean, like going back to our last uh, last podcast, right? Well, where did Roku come out of? Came out of Netflix, right? They didn't want to spend their time, uh, you know, focusing on uh, the the streaming platform box right they wanted to be their own dedicated streaming service so like you know you could have done this and spun it out as a separate business and then it becomes a whole different ball game right then 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 it's its own doordash or postmates or whatever stick a brand on it and domino's shareholders own the lion's share of that you ipo it and do whatever and they could have played that whole game they didn't so you get to this point where like, okay, 65% is great, but the food aggregators are 100% delivery, you know? So, I mean, that part of the thesis, I think, obviously, you know, fell apart uh, pretty quickly. I think what the argument they're making today, and I think he's done a good job timing it as far as like, you know, what's happened in VC land and the market's tolerance for it. But while like, let's say, you know, we can discuss a WeWork going from forty billion to ten or, or whatever, like, or an Uber not being a hundred billion dollar company and being a forty billion dollar company. These companies aren't going away, right? Like, I'm not necessarily worried about. I mean, maybe delivery and ride sharing gets more expensive for us, right? And the unit economics change, but I. And the valuations obviously can continue to shrink, but it's there as a channel, right? So I don't think you're knocking off uh, food delivery. I mean, it's an interesting thing actually to look at, which is where I spent a lot of a lot of time. Is like, for example, I don't know if you're familiar. M- McDonald's has a deal with Uber Eats, right? And McDonald's franchisees, nobody talks about this, but they've been making a lot of noise about the fact that the the economics on delivery for them with through Uber Eats partnership are cash flow negative because of what they have to share. And they're like, look, it's not the biggest problem now because it's not completely cannibalizing the in-store business. But at some point, at some point, yes, if the shift occurs, it's a problem. At which point, 
we need to be able to price our delivery to offset that lost margin at a higher price than in store, right? So you're going to get two menus, right? And and look, who's doing this right now? Domino's is. Like, what's the their, their fastest growing business? It's carry out. Right, and that so, seems to be deliberate. But the the question with the third party aggregators, as far as like where it actually hits Domino's too, I I guess you could say it now brings in new. If you're if Domino's is competing for people ordering at home, they're now competing with more people. I guess it also probably uh, raises the price on what you have to pay for delivery and for just getting this stuff, like for this, uh, the labor costs and everything else, right? Or what, what is the, well, argument yeah, there's that arguments that they're having obviously a much harder time to find drivers. Their standards on drivers have come down, etc. Like that, that's kind of obvious. Uh, I mean, I think the labor issue is a broader issue to look at in, in, the, in the entire, uh, QSR industry. Right. So, I mean, I was, I was, down to the uh, you know eastern shore of Maryland a couple times uh, this past summer, and I was just amazed on the drives back and forth, like how desperate all these QSRs are for employees. You know, everyone's like, "We're hiring, we're hiring, advertising." Like, you know, like, and then if you look into it, they all are complaining about how tough it is to find workers. I mean, we, we know all that about unemployment and whatever, but in the, the services industry has been even worse. You can maybe argue that there's immigration policies factored into it. You can argue demographics have factored into it. You can argue that uh, the the delivery and ride sharing and empowering everyone to kind of work as like a, you know, independent contractor is factored into it. And that like, you know, specialty food, opening a restaurant, a food truck, uh, uh, now cloud kitchens, right? Like that's all factored into it as well. So labor is a problem without question in the services space and even more so here. And in delivery, obviously it's a supremely competitive market because you got these, you know, delivery giant aggregators who've come in and like that that had been your your pretty much your niche, your sweet spot, right? You're the biggest food delivery company globally, I guess. If you looked at it from that standpoint, until uh, this mania started in, in food delivery. So, there, so then, I, I, I mean, I kind of got in the way of your full answer here, but I guess the question is: Do you does this? Their Domino's argument is on the call: Is that this is temporary? It's going to pass. We'll be fine. Are you? Yeah, that's that? kind of bullshit. I mean, like, I don't really know if you can look at it that way. I think that they, I think they managed the call and the environment well and it just the stock the stock was off big right i mean it had traded almost 30 percent off its highs like if you're gonna make money shorting dominoes which i probably think over the next two years can trade into the low 100s you still need to see the broader sector get hit like i'm gonna if i'm gonna short dominoes it's fine but i mean like what about shake shack at 150 times operating and come with 200 stores right I mean, the unit economics of Domino's as a franchise are still really impressive. You know, it costs like $300,000 to build a store. Your, your payback period is like almost less than three years. They're generating like a million dollars in free cash flow, a, you know, a day essentially as a corporation. It's an impressive business still. Now, there's a bunch of things that have gone in their favor, right? So when I really started looking at this again earlier last year, was when I got sucked into this fiasco that was Papa John's. So Papa John's, like as Domino's was sitting there trading, you know, like close to $300, Papa John's was imploding. It, it started with Shatner's debacle on a conference call at the end of December of, of 17, where, you know, he got he, he threw himself into the whole NFL Colin Kaepernick shit stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. And... This is the uh, this is the Papa John, the former CEO. Yes, and founder. the founder, CEO, the name, the brand. You know, right? And he was quite central in the brand too, because we yeah, talked well, about was, this on our other podcast, and, and, and that was funny to think about. In every ad, I mean, and the stock obviously collapsed, and you know, I started looking at it when it came down to like I don't remember, it was like fifty five dollars or something, uh, from like the eighties. And I was like, geez, you know, this would be a nice tuck in for restaurant brands. This could be an acquisition, private equity, et cetera, et cetera. It's cheap. And I mean, 
things just got messy. You know, you got this founder who wouldn't go away. It took for a, for a long time. Uh, the brand damaged. You know, they stepped out of the NFL, and uh, I, I think Pizza Hut replaced them there. Uh, they probably closed like ten percent of, of 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 the company-owned store base. Uh, <laughs> you saw like a major decline in revenue for the year. It was just messy. It didn't get really get sorted out till they brought Shaq in, which obviously, up until this China stuff, the last couple of days, you know, there's no better lead. Like switching from the NFL to the NBA is a genius. <laughs> you know, nothing is hotter than the NBA, and you know, no sport is in a bigger decline than than football. So, I I think. If you look at it, and if you went through Papa John's numbers, it's kind of interesting that if you look at the comps of McDonald, uh, sorry, of Domino's over the last year, uh, Domino's comps have been way below what they were, you know, obviously over the last decade. But they were that low with a super weak Papa John's. So I mean, they 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 literally got market share like significantly <laughs> over twelve months. Dom, uh, Papa John shrunk their footprint physically, and you know who's there to pick up that market share in pizza. Forget aggregators, foods, and, and other competition like that. That was the broader thing, but they were a net beneficiary. That goes away now, right? You know, like you're, you're, Papa John's and this like Shack and whatever reversal. Like you know, I mean, at worst, you're not getting that tailwind, right? Because you would put that in your original sort of. I'm looking at Domino's pitch and I, and so that you're just thinking, even if Papa John's now become stops the bleeding with, you know, with Shaquille and with just the real or getting through all the drama of last year, that's bad news for Domino's. Like it doesn't even need yeah, to so turn around. Exactly. I'm saying that like, do, look at Domino's last 12 months, which is generally viewed negatively in a prism of operating performance versus like their last three years. And, put that in the context of that they did that performance reflects a huge benefit from papa john's literally like nightmare year right so you're the norm like if you normalize their performance it's even worse and so then yeah it's a, it's a tailwind that turns into a, a headwind next year for dominoes right like it's just a stable competitor there's less market share to be taken if they somehow start to gain traction and Shaq is successful with his marketing, it works against you and you know you may give back some of that market share that you won in the last 12 months. Shaq's an owner of a – he's quite the entrepreneur. I feel like he owns some Popeye's restaurants, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I think he got, out of, he got out of that, but he was in Popeye's. I think okay. he was in Fat Burger at one point. I was just uh, seeing if the quick – if the restaurant brands would still be back on the table with Shaq at the at, – involved here but uh, i mean you never know with them i mean you know pizza is pizza it's a staple i mean i i thought papa john's was obviously very attractive for type of transaction uh you know a year ago i don't necessarily know i mean it really hasn't come back that much i haven't even looked at it where is it it's around 50 i checked it it uh yeah so that's really not an accomplishment i was thinking this thing can get back to 80 90 dollars in a takeout so what is so I guess one thing that sort of came up in looking at Domino's is they are trying to take you know they're they're taking some steps they're doing the two things you already mentioned carry out they're really stressing carry out which I guess reduces a lot of the costs and changes the market share dynamics and they're also doing this fortressing thing which as I understand is just they're building more stores close together which keeps out competitors i guess and also cuts down on delivery time how yeah i mean what the, do you focus make about that? De- the focus is delivery time this started in seattle so like the seattle market is essentially where they started testing this out in like 2010 11 with like their biggest franchisees there and basically when corporate shows up they take the the, the seattle template you know and they're like this is what happened in seattle Delivery times got cut down to this. Average revenue for store went from fifteen thousand dollars or sixteen thousand dollars in sales per week to like twenty five thousand. I don't really know how much of that really is driven by the fortressing approach, 
but because they're comparing to 2010 when the brand was friggin' depressed and like the overall brand grew. But the the Seattle is a market where like it, essentially like covering a wider area with like one store unit economics wise, you know, they, they figured that doesn't work as well as splitting it up into smaller stores. The delivery guys can do more deliveries. They earn more tips. I think they do like it came to like five X if you split them up correctly, you know, deliveries per hour. Well, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking, first of all, I used to work as a delivery driver, not for either of these chains, but for Papa Gino's in college once that's a New England (laughs) chain. And uh, it's the greatest. It's really a great job for like a college kid because you, you get to listen to music. The tips are way better than they should be. And you're still getting like a, I, I might have even been getting a little more than minimum wage, but anyway. Well, Papa Gino's was a pizza delivery chain. Yeah, it was a pizza. It, it, we didn't have Papa John's in New England. I don't know if they're there now, but Papa Gino's was is a New England chain. It's the I, Italian version of Papa John's. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> well, you know, it's a big Italian immigrant history in New England. But anyway, what's interesting when I was thinking of because you know, and we use I'm in Spain now, and we use. A couple different Just Eat. Glovo is another one that's a Spanish-founded one uh, for our delivery aggregation. And you think about what's attractive about the model, and that's maybe what the Fortressing gets you to, is if I'm a delivery driver, I don't have to go back to base. I can then go to the next restaurant and pick up my next delivery, and you can kind of cut down on, whereas if you're even if you take two or three deliveries at a time from a restaurant, you still have to go back to that restaurant. So maybe with the Fortressing, it kind of keeps you always closer to your next pickup. I don't know. It just, as you said, that that sort of came to mind for me. Yeah. I mean, you get that. You keep competitors out, right? So, like, if I'm Papa John's, I'm looking for gaps in re- in, in in coverage, right? And to kind of, like, you know, fill those gaps, and that's where I want to open those stores. So the, the argument is that if you fortress effectively, you do that. I mean, look, it's a combination. Like, to me, it's... It's a way of replacing, to a degree, like they're opening more stores. They're increasing the footprint. I think, like Domino's believes they can get to something like eight thousand U.S. stores by by twenty twenty eight. They're at like fifty eight hundred now. Like the, their argument is that their bi- their biggest argument is that you know they're still less than twenty percent, or you know something like seventeen, fifteen percent, or something in u.s market share in pizza right so their point is like hey it's not like we're 50 60 percent pizza market share it's like well, there's, we got a lot of runway in pizza well but- now i mean i have a very hard time like you know like i mean i was in manhattan for like the last month and a half or so and pizzas everywhere you try different types of pizzas like i mean you're, you're obviously never going to think about ordering a domino's <laughs> while you're there right <laughs> No, so, I hope that. I mean, the the like, there's major markets where there's tons of variety, and I think we're we're in a you know an era of variety. I think Domino's is is a great unit economics franchise model, but the like it wouldn't take much to turn this thing stock-wise in a negative direction i mean let's like like let's step back from like the business a little bit and just look at the company right domino's has done you know like i think maybe 2.7 billion dollars in buybacks over the last three or four years which when you put it against the this the size of the business I, uh, let me see if i can pull up the numbers let me pull up this uh, it's about 10 billion market cap i think that we're yeah it's 10.5 billion market cap 3.5 billion in debt right, right? so about a 14 million or 14, 14 billion, billion <coughs> ev value, yeah. and they're at about 6x net debt to ebitda right and they've, their range has been stated at three to six x, so that they didn't tweak that, by the way, which you know is an interesting thing. So here, all right, here you go. So against one point nine five billion in operating income over the last three and a half years, they've bought back two point six three billion in stock, 
300 million in dividends. So when comps are going up, I mean, you go back and you look at the stock. I mean, what you know, what it's like a 20 bagger from like the lows and whatever, 2009. But you go back and you look at the stock it, over the last three or four years, right? I mean, not only did like you know on his way out the door, Patrick Doyle, like I mean, they delivered, they grew the comps, they got into digital, they got the multiple expansion, but he also did the financial engineering. So. Domino's is basically like, we have great unit economics. We're not going to be expanding into, we're not making acquisitions or diversifying or doing anything. So let's just gear up and do one time, you know, recap and huge dividends and huge buybacks. And when your comps are like the human metronome, like steady Eddie, everyone's fine with that. It's just like, it's so predictable, makes sense. Uh, they can They can leverage this, okay? That obviously really boosted returns for equity holders, right? I mean, uh, you've got something that's getting that's getting a multiple expanding, and then you've got this guy coming in and he's buying back stock to the tune of you know, you know, almost two x operating income over a four year period, and that's being funded with debt. And you're at you're at the ceiling of that range, right? So if comps turn negative, this whole phenomenon works in reverse. The equity gets crowded out. So you're the big loser because of the leverage. And like that's 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 obviously a concern if you're long the stock because the company falling 20-30% in enterprise value is a significantly bigger hit in stock value. Right, because right. So the question for you is is I, so I, I get a couple questions here around around the trade itself. Then first, you mentioned earlier Shake Shack, for example, the TZ use the easiest one, but we could also go at the third party aggregators too, which don't. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, and I know like I've seen Grub some pitches for it as a long, but also don't seem like the steadiest businesses. Why go after Domino's and not? someone else that doesn't have the unit economics doesn't have the good well, I mean, that's where you else. get into the whole that's where you get into the whole issue of like you know i quick pitch this uh as i was working essentially like i was more intrigued on what's going on in the burger place and i mean i was pretty clear to the guys i'm just like look i mean stocks to 240 was 300 like i got excited about like the obvious dynamics of the short thesis because I know their comps, I, I know they're going to miss. I know the comps are coming down, right? So it's one of these where you know the news coming out of corporate, uh, uh, let's say not even corporate, operationally, financially reporting is not going to be supportive. It's going to be negative. So, but I'm like, at the same time, it's tough to get excited about this when I look at Wingstop you know, a friend of mine has, has done a lot of work on that, and, and, and he's been short that. And I look at Shake Shack, which I know very well as a brand, right? I mean, it, like, essentially, like, it was, you know, a big, like, you know, Middle East expansion story before it opened here. So it had a couple locations in the U.S., and then they went and they opened, like, you know, 30, 40 in, in the Gulf, and then started expanding here domestically. And you're just like, come on. You know, I mean, what's the, uh, uh, like, how can I get super enthusiastic about this on, on a relative basis uh, in the near term? You know, it, it's tough. And it's got to be a long-term investment. And I've been, I'm like so active from a trading standpoint. You know, I'm not, you know, not running a billion-dollar fund where I'm just like, all right, guys, I'm going to short this here. They're going to probably say some positive stuff. It's going to go up a little bit. I'm going to short some more, you know, and I'm I'm going to be short this for the next two years. That's my plan. Like people look for hard catalysts, right? There's no hard catalyst in shorting dominoes right now. Well, that you was know? going to be my next. So you're sort of seeing this play out as just kind of. I'm saying it's a sec. It's a secular short. It's almost like looking at everything that went wrong in mall retail. And like, if you had stepped into that space early, there were some bounces along the way that were painful. But look at look at the trend over five years, right? So I look at Domino's now, and they can say what they want to say. I mean, I get what they're doing, but 
I look at it and I say, they had this amazing 10-year 10 10 year run. One was a turnaround. And then another part of it was this huge digitiz digitization of, of their business and delivery before that, that filtered into everybody else. That's now changing. So you got different appetites, you got more diver you got more choice, like them thinking they're going to get to 50, 60% or like that they have tons of room to go in pizza market share is to me like, you know, way too optimistic. Well, it just seems like, you know. And by the way, I really like Domino's pizza. Most people, most people that I'm friends with don't like it. <laughs> I've developed like a, a long-standing, you know, affinity to it. Like that whole cardboard taste problem, I never had an issue. <laughs> it's you know, yeah, it's that's my guilty plot. Like I don't do most of the international fast food chains, but I haven't done it in a while. But I've been in places where I've ordered Domino's regularly because it is easy and because yeah, it's kind of consistent. It's like a good beef. Yep. But you would think that with the aggregators bringing up like. You know, you said it for Manhattan and other cities, but even in smaller towns, like Domino's is not what you're thinking of as the high standard of pizza. It's that B level. I need to get a ton of pizzas. If you can now get me to any, and pizza companies have always delivered, but if you can make it that much easier for me to just get from a pizza company, that does seem like it's going to be a persistent, uh, competitive dynamic that is is changed from the the last 10 years so i do. yeah no 100 percent. i mean look one thing that i do think is interesting for them is as other stuff has gotten so expensive they actually are still a little bit kind of like value so they're 27 times earnings 2019 earnings i was trying to pull that up which is what mcdonald's and restaurant brands trade at you know starbucks i think now is like 29 like they're all in the same range on that Wingstop and Shake Shack are, are aberrations, but the major chains are right there. The difference with Domino's is Domino's is, I mean, restaurant brands is obviously very, as geared as well. But I mean, look, there's a, there's a whole theme here in F&B that you need to step back and look at. The, the last 10 years, have you ever really looked at the numbers on McDonald's? McDonald's has gone from like less than less than 20% operating margins to over 40% operating margins. I mean, that's like, that's like Facebook, man, you know? Like you look at it and you're just like, what the hell? I mean, it's, I mean, they've like it, a lot of it has involved the fact that they've they've been exiting the company-owned stores, right? So it's like D McDonald's now is like 95 percent franchised. So they're like they're like a royalty real estate company. You know, they they take a cut as they're a landlord and they take a cut off sales. And this is another area where where these where these guys complain is that is that look. Uh, Food delivery is driving thoroughput, and you know I'm paying I'm paying you guys rent based on that, and I'm paying you, you know, royalties based on my regular sales, and my unit economics on on that volume is very different than my unit economics in the store. So at some point, McDonald's faces that that tension with their franchisees. Okay, but in the in the big picture. You got you have a ten year cycle where these companies have gone in this direction. You have burger prices are like you know they've been like three four times inflation, right? So like there there is an argument that's been made, which is you know even pizzas obviously got it more expensive, but it's like the the Chipotle's of the world and food trucks and you know all these like you know little boutique type service restaurant let's call it Renaissance that we've had over the last five years has made it easier for the high volume guys to raise pricing. Right. Right. Thanks. Right. So like if I was paying $10, you know, for a meal at, at Chipotle, it didn't take much for McDonald's and Burger King to be like, yeah, you know what? We can get that up to $7. The consumer is not going to really notice. Like a quarter pounder with cheese meal, you know, uh, when I was in law school, I could get that done for you know, $3.90 or 4 bucks, right? I mean, that's like $8 now. That has gone up significantly to the point where I got to look at McDonald's when I order now. And I'm like, you really, I mean, they still have the dollar menu. They run their promotions and whatever, but it's not the value it once was relative to, you know, Shake Shack's expensive, 
But if the quarter pounder with cheese meal is eight bucks, I mean, I might, I might as well go pay ten dollars and get something. Yeah, get something. Else I mean, too. if I want that, I mean, I personally prefer you know Elevation Burger or Five Guys uh, over okay. Shake Shack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get I, I, Shake Shack is great going in. It's horrible. Like ten, it's like popcorn. You know, I eat it, I like it, and then like ten minutes later, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> this will be. We need to save this for our burger podcast. Our favorite burgers in the U.S. I mean, bur- bur- Burger Mania, the Burger Bubble. It's another one of those. It's like, when does it pop? You know, <laughs> but. It, it, I mean, again, like that's the context I, I look at these. So I look at it and I say, you've had this cycle. You've had these, You've like it's been a tailwind in this space. And this has all happened against what, Daniel? Like a decade long depression. And I say like depression in commodity food costs. The agri, like milk and, and, and like anything you want to think of, beef, et cetera. Like it's been horrible. So these guys have been pricing. They've had pricing power. You look at it, traffic has not been the story. It's been ticket and price. Although, ironically, Domino's is the least egregious violator of that. They haven't pulled the price lever yet, right? Which is, as a short, something you kind of want to watch out for. But then again, I mean, you look at it, it's not the greatest value, relatively speaking, like like it used to be. But it's still somewhat value. Like, I don't know how much room that they have there. But... If you consider this type of stuff in, in, in aggregate, say labor is going up. I've, I, I've had pricing in the industry. I'm facing, uh, I've done financial engineering for a decade. Uh, and this is all against the backdrop of a, def- a depression in my raw material costs, which is just not sustainable. You know, I mean, there is going to be another cycle where like you're going to see some, you're going to see some commodity food inflation. And if that coincides with labor pressures and your inability to to raise pricing, you know, those those are secular themes that all are, are flipping, you know? So when you look at it and I've like like someone be like, Oh yeah, how do I time shorting this and I time I'm like, look guys, I'm I'm not viewing this as an event short, you know? I wanna wake up five years from now. Do you really think McDonald's is gonna still be running at over forty percent operating margins? Like at some point, there's gonna be there's gonna be sacrifices that have to be made, right? Like there's certain stakeholders on the shareholder end have really benefited there, right? And there's gonna be offsets. It's gonna be you know the the relationship with franchisees is, is is maybe gonna have to change somewhat, and that's where you may lose some margin. Uh, the relationship with employees may have to change somewhat. That's where you may lose some margin, and then you may lose some margin on just the simple gross margin of the food as food costs maybe come up right so, so just, go just ahead. to jump in what my question then i think you've sort of you can put together how this plays out possibly i guess the question for you is how just out of curiosity you're essentially saying it could be cut in half how do you kind of get there and then you mentioned pricing as one risk like what else can go five years from now Domino's is not in the 100s it's in the 300s what which may or may not be terrible but like what would have gone wrong what what else can keep this from playing out in your view well i mean the trends that are going on right now uh are negative momentum in the stock market is powerful right so you look at a dominoes right now you know we're back to back quarters and sub 3% comps right like the, the you get like a one like if the next time they report they report a 1% comp the stock will drop 20% okay right so this is just like what you're seeing here a bit is a flooring that's why i opened up the short at like you know $254 it had been as low as 220 and down there i was reluctant i didn't want to be like i don't i didn't see it dropping on earnings i didn't see anything new right so I'm like, if this thing can get up a little bit more and close the gap that 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 it's had with the rest of the F and B space, uh, I you know I'm I'm happy to start a longer term position here, because I don't think I I think that they have favorable comparables against Papa John's, which are going to go away by the time you get into next year, and I don't think the food aggregator problem is disappearing in the next. 12 months. So you print me a negative comp or two, 
And then the questions become, ah, you know, you're pretty geared. You know, how about reducing debt somewhat? Like, yeah, like where, like maybe this, maybe the fortressing is leading to significant cannibalization, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, carry out momentum has slowed down. Like, you know, th like that worked for a little bit, but like there's a bunch of these things where you can look at it from that standpoint. Where look, I mean, it's still going to be a, a very solid brand, but like understand like a lot of the equity returns have been inflated by the predictability of the comp. That comp changes. It, it's your enemy when, you, when you're at six times EV to EBITDA. Like you're at the top end of your range and like net, you've net just been sent to EBITDA, you mean, right? Not e it's what is it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's gotta right. be a yeah. higher EV EBITDA. No, but yeah. Yeah. So whatever, three point five billion in, in debt and they're five point nine to six X or so, right? So that part that part of it is is where you keep your eye out because if this thing you know prints a negative one percent or a negative two percent comp you know two or three quarters from now you know the stock is going to be like you know around 150 dollars so you just got to be looking at the trends and like th these past two quarters right that comp is is reflective of a very weak papa john's right but uh but but facing generally a combination off the cooling off of, of, of their business and the obvious pressure from food aggregators, which has, it's not like, it's not like the food aggregator stuff is new right now. This has been going on now for what, like 18 months, two years at a solid steady rate. So I would say that when you look at it, it's like, it's trending in the other direction, which is where the appeal on the quick short pitch was, right? Because Shake Shack isn't trending in the other direction. McDonald's isn't trending in the other direction. Wingstop isn't trending in the other direction. That's already started with Domino's. And like once that starts, <clears throat> it's tough to reverse it immediately. Like you're going to get to a point down the road where it's going to be like, hey, we're going to do this with the menu. We're going to reinvent that. Like we've hit a, a bit like the, things get stale on food, right? I mean, that's part of the that's part of the story. So what what what? What turns you around in 2010, you know, the, the whole menu revamp, great. And you've been consistent, and, but like, you know, like they go through cycles. I mean, look at Subway. I mean, like, like how hot was that for how long? And like now it's what? Like it's like the plague. I mean, I think, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Scandal player Jared. Jared yeah. yeah, yeah. Played a part in it. But like food quality started to go down and franchisees started to not want to price things a certain way and run the same discount specials that they were running because they weren't making money on the, you know, the, what do you call them? The, uh, the six what's it called? Subs? Six dollar foot long. Six the six dollar foot long. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a so, long time since I've had a subway. I have to say. Yeah, but I mean, was there a point where you were eating there regularly? There was for me. College, we sort of were. I was in, uh, on the wrestling team in college, and that was like where we had to go when we went on trips because it was okay, it's the healthier option as compared to your average fast food is how we viewed it. So I didn't know you were a wrestler. What a miserable experience that was. <laughs> I, hate, I hated cutting weight, you know. I feel like it, it almost stunned my growth for like two years of high school. But anyway, we're off topic. We're you know? off topic a little bit. So Domino's. So I don't know. I, any last? I mean, the thesis. My I question: think, Would would you short it? Like, I mean, you're not exactly a, a like a super active trader type, right? Like, no, and I don't. You bought your Disney. You sit on it. Like, I don't think you short this here and you get hurt over time, right? Yeah. So I, like, if you're if you're a boring short, right? Uh, and you're like, you know what? In two years, I'm going to look back at this and say this was a good investment, and I I did far better than market returns, right? Yeah, I don't. So I don't. And just you know, based on my job and just time, I don't have the time to like think through a short book and how to manage that. But I think what I what I what I was going to say. Well, I mean, I always get annoyed with this with people. It's the same thing as a long book. You're a long term investor. Do you think over the long term? The stock is going to come down over a couple of years. If so, short it. Yeah, and what I think, what I what I liked about what you were saying earlier, because Wingstop, for example, is some is a stock that again I've seen short pitches basically since it came on the market, and 
it looks like it's come down a tiny bit this year, but who knows? And I think what you said about the story has the negative momentum is powerful. I think that's what's really interesting here. I haven't done my own. I always like to do my own work, but I think what you've laid out, that negative momentum is such a both because I think of the reflexivity and the narrative around it and all of a sudden dominoes. And of the quantitative traders who don't give us what a beep about anything we're talking about. They're just like, beep, 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 right. beep, beep, yeah, beep, they're just, yeah. Miss, 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 short, sell. Right. Yeah. So that's you know? where things can get away from you. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, they don't, they, they don't buy companies where the operational metrics are trending in the wrong direction. And they will short. They will short rallies and stuff like that, right? That's yeah. the way those. That's the way those algorithms work. So yeah, I think it's. I think there's. I, I would. I think I would want to get a better scope. I think the third party thing. I think you're right that that's not going to go away, and that that really. I think is at the very least that kind of clamps down on the upside. That you know that. Path yeah, they got a benefit. Look, the guy share. from Wedbush came out and he put out a note a couple of days before earnings, and I read it before they reported. And you know, I'm busy with another short, and like, uh, which is like, you know, compared to Domino's, infinity, relatively better. So I was just like, I have no business like even bothering with this stock right now. But I read that note, and I'm like, you know, he makes a good point. He took this WeWork and uh, IPO market and whatever. And this whole shift to focusing on profitability, and he translated that into Domino's relatively attractive here. You know, buy a little bit; it's come off a lot because this is not sustainable. Then the CEO on the conference call, you know, when the stock started reversing, was him basically emphasizing that point. Right? He's just like, look, they're being subsidized by investors, and he is right. You know, and there are many businesses with some of them the worst business models ever that are being subsidized by investors who don't even take a close look remotely at what's going on. But in some cases, the models will persist. They will look in a different form. Others, it will be complete abject failure, right? I think in food aggregation delivery, the technology to empower it is not going away. And the aggregators themselves and how the economics will be defined, we may just get to a point where, like what Domino's is doing, like when I order food from McDonald's or Burger King or any or Starbucks or whoever, and if I'm using the aggregators and the aggregators are taking their big cut to make money, price is going to be higher. I'm going to have to get in my car and drive to save money. Okay? Simple. If I want that convenience of delivery, it's not going to cost me the same as coming into their store. That arbitrage is going to disappear. Okay. So right now I can sit at home and I essentially get, uh, you know, the same food of, as walking in the store. Right. And if I'm not walking in the store driving, which is obviously like, you know, I'm saving money. So that's not sustainable. And that's where you're going to get into that dynamic. But like the, like Domino's isn't competing against the arbitrage in of itself. It's competing against the fact that I did go from having the ability to order nothing but really pizza consistently and easily to anything I want. And that is not going away. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that sort of, I remember we talked about Walgreens and how they sort of made the pharmacy to be a, a generic thing not no pun intended just a very you don't need the f local pharmacy you can just get the sort of walmart version of it which is great until online comes and then all of a sudden you don't even need to go to the store and then good luck competing with amazon or whoever else and that's sort of what we're, you're saying here domino's has had such success making it so convenient to order but now that everybody else has gotten that and that they missed the chance to sort of own a royalty over that um, in some way, now it's they're kind of being live by the sword, die by the sword a little bit because now you can order from anywhere. And even if you like Domino's, it's still not. It's yeah, still look, not I think what's on. really good about Domino's is that they've had this ridiculously efficient unit economics, right? Like they're super small stores, they're pretty clear, 
It doesn't cost much to set up. I mean, for a franchise, it works. And pit making pizza is easy, repetitive, fast. Like, it's designed for delivery. Okay? And it's it, it's been a clear winner model structurally. Now you look at them, and it's like they are having dine-in locations. You look at them and this whole fortressing model and, and, and whatnot and how much more that they open it. And, and you're like, they're being forced to tweak the actual underlying nature of the model, carry out, right? Come into the store, do this and whatever. So when a business starts doing that, that has been a well-oiled machine on the other end, right? And that well-oiled machine has been the strength you're going to go through a period of a, a, from from an investing standpoint of adjustment. There's just, there's there's no getting around it because they're they're not designed to be a place for you to come in and dine in. And for most people, they don't affiliate the brand with coming in and picking it up from the store. So you're going to spend marketing dollars on that. You're going to look at that and, and 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 if you're going to go in that direction, then you start to compete with other pizza options. Where like it's like, look, if I'm going to go pick it up, why don't I just go to Pizza Hut or if I like this pizza or, or that pizza. So I, I look at it from the standpoint of they're tweaking, they're doing what needs to be done, but this is not the amazing story it was from 2010 to 2017. And how much worse can it get? Well, I think it gets worse from here. The question is how much and what we got measured in this most recent earnings is nothing more than like, you know, a stopgap relief. So like you get a nice really balance in that. It's like, look, they they said all the right things, okay? And they said the right things at the right time and they were oversold relative to the rest of the industry. If the industry gets taken down and if you believe McDonald's and Burger King and all these stocks at the current multiples are short, then Domino's multiple is also going to come down with that. That's one clear clear obvious tailwind you got. If you just believe we're kind of at a ceiling there and it's not as clear and maybe it whatever, Domino's is still going to relatively be under pressure because metrics wise, I can't look forward to anything in the immediate term. And there, here's another thing that we didn't get into at all on this, on this so far, which is uh, maybe a little bit you know, uh, poor on our part, is the international, right? And you're abroad, right? I don't know. How, how is Domino's successful in Spain? You know, like there's some places where it's been an abject, complete failure, pizza. And then there's like, there's their, you know, their argument that China, you know, and the India market and, and, and whatever, and then pushing into those places. They have visibility here. There's a, there's a Domino's like five to 10 minutes from me. They often leave flyers in our mailboxes. So they're, there's their presence. I can't really speak. It's not as the last country I lived in. I lived in Bulgaria previously, and there it was a it's no brainer bargain, really easy to get. Here it's actually competitive wise, not that cheap. And I've got and again, I can I've got a pizza shop on basically on my street. I can order on my phone. They have my address. They come in twenty five minutes, and I really like their pizza. So that's where. I see it from my end, and that's not even an aggregator. That's them using FlipDish, which I guess is an order aggregator, but not actually like a... They're doing the delivery themselves. Yeah, so it's not a Glovo, it's not a Just Eat, it's not an Uber Eats or whatever, and all of those... All Do you of guys those have uh, Deliveroo or Delivery Hero? Yeah, Deliveroo's here, Just Eat. The, yeah, it's those four, I think, are the ones I see. Glovo, which is sort of a messenger system for anything, Just Eat... Deliveroo and Uber okay. Eats. So it's, yeah, so it's, you know, I think Domino's probably is doing fine. They seem to be, you know, the American chains are popular here. KFC is popular. Burger King's popular. KFC is popular everywhere, bro. Yeah, but <laughs> but Domino's does get people. So, they you know, they don't seem to be a failure, but there is a lot of competition for sure. I mean, look, the international comps have been worse, right, for the last several years. I mean, they're definitely not looking uh, – uh, as good so i'd say maybe a mix of preference and a mix of uh, uh of the same problems that they're having in the u.s right uh, the it, the brand definitely isn't as powerful outside of the u.s as like obviously these the super qsr names are 
it's, 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 no, it's no McDonald's or KFC. You know, like one, I've always been amazed at how poor it is outside the U.S. is Taco Bell. You know, like everywhere I've been, it's just, just like, what you know, Taco Bell does not seem to catch on. We do. Taco Bell has a presence here. They've got a, interestingly enough, I don't know if you're aware, Five Guys is also expanding internationally. They've got a store. Both of them have a store in our. So I love store. Five Guys hot dogs. I'm a big fan of those. Right. And, uh. Their burger um, is good. I mean, my favorite one we discussed earlier is Elevation. But yeah, I mean, I I, I think the Five Guys Five Guys brand has executed pretty well. Yeah. But I mean, like the burger space has gone through its its stuff. You know, I mean, like the craziest stuff being back in the U.S. these days is is Chick Fil A. I mean, I went to school in Atlanta. I mean, like it's Chick Fil A was like commonplace there. I would never consider going to a Chick Fil A and waiting in line. <laughs> and chick-fil-a is now anywhere you go it's like they've got the, like the people outside with the ipads taking the orders because they're overwhelmed with volume and you're like what is like how is chick-fil-a i mean the, it's good i've always liked it but i mean you know it's become it's become culty yeah it's like, funny it, how that it's like off. it's like it's like chipotle you know eight years ago all right, let's let's leave it there. We've, let's before we run down our full fast food, we save it for our burger pod, our burger ranking podcast. But um, this was really good. I, I think this is a, it's a again, as I said at the top, it's a short idea that I think is floated around, but I, it's interesting the timing here and uh, yeah. It, I mean, I do to answer your question. I think there's a lot. I don't, I don't think anyone's here. made any money shorting it. I don't think anyone's made any money long it in the last couple of years. It's I mean, been it's really. Fl- flat you for know, a little while it's been a, it's been a tough one and that's usually occurs right right in between a bit of a transition period right so i mean i i think if you're someone who is at least you know listening to this podcast and is like you know not the type of person who's who who wants to short a roku and be petrified in in, in three months when he's down 50 percent you know if something goes wrong uh and you you you've done some work and you have some views on this. I don't think you're gonna. I think this is one you can short, and not go to sleep at night wondering whether or not you're gonna wake up in the morning with a disaster. Right. It's sort of a yeah. steadier play, is yeah. what you're. You can you can at. you can you can sleep safer, which is you know in short selling. You know over time you do learn to spot. Like there are some that are traps, right? You think you're sleeping safe, and you're like, what the heck just happened, right? And there's the ones where, like, you know that what you're what you're signing up for if you're shorting. Uh, but I think in this one, I, I think it's kind of obvious. And I think, like, it, particularly if you're looking at it from like the range that it's been in, shorting this here at over 250, maybe as high as 260. Like, I I think you should be comfortable. I I think by the by by Q2 of next year, the the benefit of uh, of all the Papa John stuff that 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 they've had is gone. And uh, whatever tailwind that that's provided, and and you're just kind of left with this like dynamic in delivery and and the the competition. I don't think you're gonna see it incrementally get worse in the near term, but Postmates and DoorDash are waiting to list, and listing for them, no matter what, is gonna give them some sort of relief. And I I don't think uh, I don't think that once they're public. You're gonna get, you know, much in terms of an immediate change in the dynamics. I think you'll see these companies focus pretty strongly on the relationships with the volume players, like they have with McDonald's, like Uber Eats and whatnot. And it'll it it will really come down to like the the maybe the, maybe the choice will drop off on the lower end, you know, if you want to get into the delivery space, and they're gonna to look to make money off of those smaller players because they will subsidize the huge volume giants that are driving thoroughput for them so like if you're a smaller chain they're gonna they're gonna be looking to get their unit economics out of the deliveries they're doing for you and at which point you're gonna have to price higher and maybe you know that helps out uh, for you know like a dominoes and the likes over, over the long haul but i just don't see this trend this trend I, I get the argument of that, like the WeWork element of that, the subsidies at some point will cool off, but 
the trend in online ordering isn't going away. So WeWork can potentially completely disappear and nobody will care. Okay? People will, will, people will definitely care if they wake up tomorrow and there's no food aggregators. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way. Someone can step in to fill that void. Okay. All right, cool. Um, any any other disclosures based on any stocks mentioned? You mentioned my Disney position. I'm Wong Disney. Anything? No, nothing. I mean, no position in Roku. That worked out great. Although, look, I look at it today. It's, it's rallying. Upgrade by RBC. Well-timed. Smart guy. But, no, I don't think so. What did we discuss? Dom- yeah, just the dominoes, I guess. I wanted to short Shake Shack. I've bought puts once or twice on it, but I don't have a short position. Wingstop, my my friend, has been all over it from over a hundred. I was too slow. Well timed. Yeah. I don't I don't have a position there, and I've done nothing. I just I spent a lot of time looking at what goes on with McDonald's and Burger King, but I've done nothing with them. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, uh, then let's leave it there. That's good stuff. Thanks, Akron. All right. No problem. Thanks for listening to The Razor's Edge. I enjoyed recording the episode and I hope you got something out of listening to it. If you have feedback, email us at premiumauthorsplustie at seekingalpha.com to let us know what you thought. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. You can also get episodes on the same channel of Jay Mintzmeyer's Value Investors Edge Live. So two podcasts for the price of one and I expect there will be more podcasts on this channel over time. If you can leave us a review or a rating on iTunes, we'd also really appreciate that. This has been a Seeking Alpha production. Thank you for your time and see you in two weeks on The Razor's Edge.